Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so thrilled today to be joined by the wonderful Sam Jay to talk about Pause with Sam Jay, the HBO series. And the first thing I want to talk about a little bit was, was the genesis and the voice of this show, because it is something that in watching the show, it's it's so personally connected and really connects to the audience with a lot of intimacy as well. And when you were first conceptualizing, I know that your executive producer, Langston Kerman, was asking, you know, what's important to you? What really matters to you? What do you want the voice of this show to be? And so I was just really interested in that that development part of the the process for you and how you really landed on you know the very personally connected and intimate voice that the show has become through its creation um well at first when we first started building the show it was just me and Prentice and uh Prentice and I would just talk every day really or three well three times a week I should say three to four times a week we would hop on zoom and he would just like kind of ask me what I was been thinking about and I was like well I've been thinking about this and well, I've been thinking about that and I find it funny that people react to this type of thing this way. And why is a society or is this, this and that, that? And he would just like take notes. And um, eventually that started to get to talking about like what would we want a show to look like? And I think we understood what we wanted the show to feel like way before we even had an idea of what it was. We just knew like we wanted it to feel like what we were doing and what happens when you're hanging out with your friends and just like real conversations. And I just felt like a lot of what I see on late night, the conversations feel very canned. They're always kind of talking to the same people and you kind of already know those people's talking points. And so what we wanted to do was just like have a different perspective on TV that we just hadn't seen, which was just like the average person who's walking around every day and interacting with this thing. How do they feel about these big ideas? And I know one of the things we kept coming to was just like, I was just like, I just want to talk to the people that are going through the thing. I don't want to talk about them. I feel like you can do an episode like we just did the jail episode. And that was kind of something we have been talking about since last season. And it's like when you when you see these like, oh, Bill Maher is going to take on the prison system or this. person. It's, it's usually like these talking heads who've never been to jail, but have all the facts and numbers about what it's like. Or it's like a dude who wrote a book who, who did five years and he has like these talk points from his book that he hits every time and I was like man I just I got a bunch of homies that been to jail it would be nice to just let them talk about what they've been through what their perspective is not anyone that's actually kind of made it a bigger platform but just someone who's carrying this weight every day how are they dealing with it and so I think that was a, a big part of the show for us was just those like really um organic and genuine entry points you know and as well as creating a space where everybody that comes onto the show feels very open in in having conversations no matter the theme or topic and talking about very personal things you also bring so much of yourself to that that conversation as well and that episode's a great example you know you talked about your relationship with your brother you have the two of you kind of driving around in a car at the end of that episode and and talking about your relationship and your personal experience with it um and and I've heard you say that that with the second season one of the things that you wanted to do was to bring even more of yourself into the show when did you realize that that was a really important aspect of of you know you were already doing that in season one but when did you realize that you wanted to bring even more of yourself and your personal history and your personal experiences into the show and and did you think about it very consciously or was it just a natural outcome from being more familiar and and living in the concept of the series uh, yeah, I think it was a little bit of both. It just it did feel like a, the natural direction for the show. It just felt like what was correct. Um, felt like last season we were just so macro and like here's some bigger ideas of like world stuff. And just, you know, we've always kind of looked at me as a character, even though it's a late night show. Like 
I'm a character that you're following through a journey. And so it just seemed correct that the next phase of this would be like, what's actually going on with me rather than uh, pointing outward, you know, point inward a little more and then use that to have a, a bigger conversation. <clears throat> and has, has that changed the way that you think about the themes and topics that you're kind of centering each episode around or not really, because it was already, it was already about conversations that you were interested in creating a dialogue around. Yeah, it was already about that. Like it was already about things I was interested in creating dialogue around. And I think what, what changed was just more so like, a lot of times it was more the conversation was like, what are you struggling with? Would be the conversation. The writers were more like, all right, so what, what's going on with you actually? And it's like, well, I've been dealing with this or I've been dealing with that, or I've been thinking about this. Or if we would talk about jail and I would talk about my brother, you know, Langston would challenge me like, okay, but how do you really feel about this? Like, what do you really feel about your brother? And I'm like, okay, well, if I'm being honest, this is how I really feel. And then we would kind of try to take that and, and let that be and breathe in the show. Yeah. That's so interesting because the questions that people are asking you about these topics are very much the way that you're asking other people questions. Mm -hmm. you, know, you don't necessarily have to be on the same playing field in terms of perspectives and points of view. And, but you always create this, this dialogue that's really just interested in, in the understanding. You know, I think the, the interview that you did this season with um, the guy who expresses himself through Satanism is a really beautiful conversation. And, you know, you're like, I could have seen myself expressing myself more in this direction if certain things gone differently and I understand the genesis of where this comes from um and so how 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 planned out are those sorts of conversations in terms of where you see the questions coming how much do you know about the other person before you're going in or <laughs> you're saying yeah so is it, it's like fully just kind of like on the fly in well we'll write some questions down they yeah. usually never make it to the to the, <laughs> to the actual thing um I think we write them down more for HBO than anything so they they think we're working um, and they don't just like, they, you know what I mean? Like we've thought about this, but I think in the back of our head, we're always like, eh, I'm going to get up there and ask what I want to ask once I kind of like meet this person. Um, Cause all those interviews is like, I'm meeting that person right then. Like, Hey, what's up? So most of it is truly just my genuine curiosity. And as much as I have those questions as a guideline and when the conversation may slow down or something, or I need an entry, I might grab one of those questions, you know, that we used or we wrote. But a lot of times the conversation just kind of goes and wherever the person's kind of taking it, I'll kind of walk with them. And then if I need something, try to like guide them this way or, or see how they feel about a certain thing to try to push the conversation a little bit more to, to the conversation that I was trying to have with them. But for the most part, I just let them kind of go where they want to go. And then I just find my my space in it. Yeah, you know, and, and you also again, you don't have to agree with the other person, but you you're not afraid to to challenge things and, and really question them. Um, and again, you know, the conversation that you have with someone from GLAAD is a great example of that, where you're challenging representation within the LGBTQIA community and and she immediately was like, I agree, you know, you're, you're absolutely right on everything that you're saying. And as an organization, there's a lot of things that we could be doing better. And I thought that was such a great conversation in terms of, of challenging someone, but still creating a space where they feel open about having that discourse in return. Is it, you know, is that something that just comes very naturally to you in terms of figuring out how far can I push this challenge? Where do I want to do it? You know, making sure that I'm not going to make them feel uncomfortable and, and close up because then you don't have a conversation for the show. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, outside of the show, I'm just a person who's genuinely curious about people. 
And I like to ask questions. I like to get to know like why people think the way they think versus just like why, you know, like what got you to that thinking? What what happened in your life? What was the steps? How are you at the place you are? Um, and so it's very easy for me to chill and listen and, you know, and g- try to give space for people to be honest, because I think that's how we get anywhere. And if you kind of jump down their throats, they're going to close up. They're not going to feel cool to talk. And then we don't get anything out of that. Like outside of like, we don't have something for the show. It just, you don't get any advancement in any conversation out of that. You just end up stuck where we are. And a big thing for us was like, how do we move some of these conversations that we're hearing happening over and over and over again? How do we move them forward? And I think a little bit is you got to give people who you may not necessarily agree with some space to talk about why they think the way they think. And a lot of that comes from from your ability to read people very well and to connect to people very easily in these conversations. And that really comes through. And do you feel like a lot of that stems from working in comedy? Because that is such a space where you have to kind of very astutely read people that you're working with and to read the room and really change what you're doing and dial to the response that you're getting in terms of energy from others. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think comedy has a a huge part of it, but I also think a little bit of it is just natural. And that's why I gravitated towards comedy. You know, like I just I'm just a person that I've always kind of been like that. I've always been able to strike up a conversation with someone at a bar. And by the end, like I know how they grew up. I know like where their trauma is. I know like what they're comfortable with, What because I'll just ask and listen and I'm not really a judgmental person because I, I just believe we're, we're, we're all fucked up. So I, who am I to, to judge whatever your bag is? Cause I'm sure I got some shit that it's, sounds crazy off to you, you know? And, and within the format, you know, there's, there's different segments within the show as well. And, and I, I really enjoy watching the segments where it is that, that house party environment. And even just kind of looking at sometimes it's inside of a house. Sometimes you're sitting by a bonfire outside. Sometimes you're playing pool. How do you determine what you feel like is the right setting to bring people into? Or is it more just a visual aspect for the show that makes you want to move around to slightly different locations? Yeah, it isn't that thought out. <laughs> we just go like, we shot here three times. It's probably boring by now. Let's go upstairs. <laughs> and then we go upstairs. <laughs> it's really not. That part of it is just truly the day of. We're like, well, let's move these people upstairs, you know. I mean, I, I really enjoy the, cam- the the way that the camera kind of brings us into those moments as well. Again, because it's, it's different to the sit-down interviews where there's more of a formality to that structure, whereas this is very much, you know, handheld. It feels like the camera is in the room. Is, is that just having one or two, two camera people just moving around as you're all having conversations in different spaces of the room? Because it's not even that everybody's sitting together. You know, you're kind of off in a corner having a smaller mm. conversation. There's a group over here and we get little glimpses of all of those different dialogues. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just having them move around and just empowering them to find the conversation. You know what I mean? Just like, you know, like very early on, we were very much like you don't have to stick with a certain person. Like, uh, I feel like it's such a it's such a like group dialogue. Like, I'm like, you don't even have to stick with me. Like if it's happening over there and it's better over there, go get it over there. It might not be that interesting over here. You know, like that's just how parties work. You're not always the most interesting person at your party. That's just the fact. Sometimes someone comes and steals the show. And I really think we were very like um, 
gracious in that way of like if someone comes and they they're running let them run if someone comes and they're being funnier than me get the funny don't worry about me or any celebrity that might come if if Che comes you don't have to just keep the camera on Che because Che's here and he's the biggest celebrity in the room if my homie who's not famous at all is being the thing go get my homie you know so I just think we we made that a priority to try to make sure that balance was there like that and that it felt like a party yeah. And and within that as well, when you first started filming season one, what what's kind of the preface that you gave people coming into that space? Because, there, you know, there are people that you've known you've known for a long time that are coming into it. But what we, what were kind of the main details that you wanted to communicate in terms of we want you to be having these very open and honest conversations and being very vulnerable. And like you said, you're not always there to guide the conversation with them. And so it it still sticks to the theme and, and the dialogue that the episode is creating. And so how did you create that sort of setup? It's just all in the setup. I really didn't have to have a conversation with anybody, but I do think as a, as a group, we were very conscious of everything we were doing, of how we were handling people, how we were moving people around. Like it's simple stuff like, yo, lav everybody. Like we have a green room for everybody where they get to meet and party and chill. Like, put mic them up over there there's no boom rooms boom mics in the room because i didn't want anyone like oh they're recording me feeling weird you know they're just having two camera guys moving and kind of making them like flies on the wall never positioning anyone we don't cut we don't do that i was like no cuts don't ever come while we're in the middle of a conversation and like move my friend so they're more in the camera we're not positioning people just catch it how it is if you only got half a person's face but they're saying something interesting, that's absolutely fine. You know what I mean? Just trying to break some of those ideas of what TV has to be um, so that people could move freely and, and feel like they're just chilling. I think also, you know, being diligent about it had to be a real apartment, you know what I mean? And not like a studio, because that's weird for people. And like uh, Roxy, the, the set designer, who's amazing in, in every aspect of the show, like really cared about it feeling like my apartment and like, I took her on a walkthrough tour of my crib and then she was like, she made sure to get pictures, like real pictures of me and my girl. And like, you know, just, Oh, I saw you had this basket of Crocs in your place. So I put a basket of Crocs in this, but just a lot of people come there. Like my friends haven't seen me in a long time and think it's my crib. They're like, Oh, this is your new spot. I'm like, nah, it's not my new spot. Uh, it's just like, you know, the apartment we use for the show. And I think also doing it with my fiance and, having her be part of hosting the party because that's how a party would actually happen at my house and us actually being there to greet them when they walk up the stairs and be like yo what's up I think all of that makes people feel like oh I'm just chilling with Sam and it's it's got that very fun you know element of oh I've just invited a bunch of people over to a party you know kind of like dinner party style curation when when you're looking at who you're going to include episode by episode are you are you kind of like curating the people that you know based on who you think would be great to come into the room for that conversation or is a lot of it just about scheduling and availability as well or a little bit of both 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 for sure we definitely think about who's coming what what we're talking about who can contribute to what we're talking about who could contribute to what we're talking about excuse me and then also just who's available you know who's around and what does the edit look like on on those scenes because i imagine there's there's delicacy because people aren't having conversations that, uh, they're not they're not having you know little like clickbait short succinct quote 
type conversations. They're having very long in-depth conversations and you obviously want to honor what they're discussing with the depth and with the sensitivity and not take anything out of context. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, how, how, does, how does that all shake out in the edit room? <laughs> um, I mean, I'm sure the editors of Pause hate me. It's, it's chaotic. You know, there's 14 channels of sound coming through. It's people yelling drunkenly and it's trying to track a story through that you know what I mean so it's not easy at all and hats off to everybody who edits on this show because it's not easy and a lot of times I'll be sitting in the edit like oh like where is this moment and they'll have to be like Sam that moment wasn't as beautiful as you remember it drunk at the party we saw it and it's not that I'm like okay well I was wrong so I mean it's it's hard work you know to, to really pull the narrative out of it but um I think it's worth it because I I don't know any other way yet to get something that feels that genuine and honest and then each episode you know we always have the house party element but each episode really has its own identity in terms of how you're telling us the rest of the story who are you talking to where are you talking to them where are these interviews taking place is there going to be a sketch in that in that moment what's that sketch going to be and so is that something that's that's very pre-planned out alongside the house party or do the conversations that happen in the house party di- end up kind of dictating and shaping some of the way that you're creating the rest of the episode? You know, last season we did all the parties last. I don't remember the order we did it this season, but we changed the order. I think we did the parties first. Um, so I don't think we know yet, <laughs> honestly, what actually works. Um we're still trying stuff on that front. Yeah. And how do you kind of determine, you know, cause I imagine for every single one of these themes and topics, there's so many different people that you could go out and do these one-on-one conversations and, and more intimate interviews with. How do you kind of narrow down to finding, okay, if we're going to talk to one person for this episode, what's the singular voice that feels the most important to bring into the room at this moment? It really is just a battle in the room, you know, like as we're building the story and we're creating the narrative, it's just like we get to that wall of like, all right, who are we going to go out and talk to? And people just start throwing out their ideas, you know what I mean? And sometimes that's the hardest part of the show. And like, we'll be really stuck there. Like, I know with the the, the Satanists on the uh, Suck My Dick Kids episode, it was like we had no idea where to go. We were like, all right this this needs another conversation you know and we look at that stuff like a show it it doesn't need it sometimes you notice we don't have it we only have one one interview because we're like it doesn't need it we're very particular about about that as a show like we don't just do things to do them uh because it's the format we have no problem breaking format but if it needs it it needs it and we really felt like well you need another conversation on the the other side of this uh suck my kids conversation and we had no idea who to talk to and I came and tell you the different things that were thrown out. And then out of the blue, Jack was like, we need to talk to a Satanist nigga. And I was like, oh, that might be dope. <laughs> like, and that's usually how it happens. It's like someone throws something out and then someone grabs onto it. Like, no, that might actually be a good conversation. And then we talk about why. Why should we talk to this person? And and that montage of, of people complaining about people in the workplace and bosses and, and saying suck my dick at the end is great. Where where did having someone who's working on the show doing, I think, COVID compliance and, and one of your former teachers come into being part of that? We we had the former teacher idea from the start, kind of like when we started talking about what the ending was going to be, 
we were like, oh, we should have Susie say suck my dick to Sam for the shit she did. And then that kind of built out to the montage. Now, the COVID guy, they snuck that in there on me. I didn't even know he was going to be there. <laughs> so <laughs> that was actually funny for me because I was like, oh, snap. <laughs> like, they I know pulled him. one. <laughs> yeah. I was like, all right, they got me. Cool. Did you pause for a second and be like, wait, what's he going to complain about? <laughs> yes. But also I knew because I'm terrible with the mask and stuff. I'm not good. <laughs> Were, were there other things on the show that the, the creative team came up with that kind of surprised you in the moment since you were saying that that was something that they kind of snuck up on you? There's a lot of little stuff. Um, an episode that hasn't aired yet, there's an ad for Eating Ass with Coleman Domingo that they surprised me with. I didn't know it was going to be there. Uh, it's the train scene. A lot of those ads on the train, I didn't know any of that was going to be there. So I was laughing the whole time. We were like shooting like, that's so silly. So they like, they get their, they get their, they get their jokes off. They have their fun. And, and because within the writer's room now, you've, you've got two seasons under your belt. What do you feel are some of the, the ways in which you've kind of finessed the style and the way that you will work together in the writer's room and really conceptualize these episodes and a lot of the ideas? I just think we know what the show is more. Every time we do it, we learn it more. And then well, I, I'm blessed to work with fearless people who are also down to break it. You know, like we came in this season and we were like, we got to break it again. We made a cool thing. That's cool, but let's not serve up the same food twice. Let's do something else and let's find some ways to make this innovative and fun and um, different for people the second time around. And so I'm just really lucky to, to work with such talented people that are like down the clown. Yeah. And what, what are the aspects that still, no matter how many episodes you do of the show, are still just always really challenging hurdles in making it? It's just like the the coming up with the topics for real, like what, it, what, what matters right now is pretty tough. Um, once we get into breaking a topic, we're okay, but it, it's a hard show to, to write in that way. Cause it's also all coming from me. So it's like sometimes digging deep and like exploring something that I'm, I'm still unsure about personally is tough. Yeah. Well, I really, really love the episodes that I've seen from season two so far. And oh, thank you so much. I'm excited for you to see it. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Thanks so much for talking about it. Really appreciate it, Sam. No problem.